0: Ah!
1: Jedi, like my father,
0: Jarlo. All right, hello, welcome everyone to Star Wars from the Back to Tank. I am Michael Flores, and I'm taking a dip in the deep end of the Back to Tank. I'm going fully submerged because uh, I am. Um, I don't feel very well. (laughs) So I figured I'll just submerge my body in some Bacta. Why is your Bacta tank triple the size of mine? Because I'm a king. (laughs) And you're a peasant. (laughs) I just have like this tub. Well, Dave, sorry. (laughs) So, all right. We have a fun topic to get into today. You and I are going to be continuing our discussion and breakdown, our oogling, our giddiness. Is just going to be all over the place today because we're talking about Star Wars Bounty Hunters number three.
1: Galaxy's Deadliest Part Three, as the scorekeeper wills. Unfortunately, we have had
0: to wait a couple months because this goddamn coronavirus. <laughs> God damn it. Just throwing a wrench in all of our Star Wars plans. But we had originally said that we will be covering it. Every single issue of Bounty Hunters. And that has not changed.
2: Yeah. Ethan, the, Ethan Sachs, dude, has really, really, has a really knocked it out of the uh, park with these last three ep- issues by themselves. Dude, they're good. They're I good.
0: They're simple, but they are fun as they're hell. They're fun as hell. And just as a reminder, Star Wars Bounty Hunters is an ongoing Star Wars comic book series written by Ethan Sachs. Yep illustrated by Paolo Vianelli and published by Marvel comic books. The series had started on March 11th of this year. Uh, the series features the bounty hunters, Bailar Valance, Bobo Fett, Bosque, and takes place between the events of star Wars, the empire strikes back and the return of the Jedi. This is part of, Do we want to call it phase two of Marvel Star Wars run since Disney took over? Yeah, it's phase two. Phase two, right? Phase two. Yeah, because when Disney first purchased Lucasfilm, everything, for the most part, was taking place. Their main storylines were taking place between New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Now that they have gone from New Hope all the way up to the very beginning of Empire Strikes Back, everything ended. The Star Wars title started over. Dr. Aphra started over. Vader started over. And Bounty Hunters started. So, yeah, I would definitely call this phase two. I don't know what the official name is. I don't even know if there is one yet. But I can only imagine that eventually in the years to come, there will be eventually some name coined for each of these phases, right?
2: Oh, you'd think. You definitely would think. Because, like, it seems that they do have a game plan. Even though it seems simple right now, they at least still have a game plan for the the overall game, the, the overall direction of, the of, comic, books, of yeah. comic books. So like, we know that basically once this phase is done, they're most likely going to jump, a uh, jump to the next phase, which is probably going to center around return of the Jedi and be, and beyond.
0: Yeah. I mean, look at what they did with, um, I believe the final, one shot. I don't know if it was an annual, but I definitely know it was a one-shot. The As- Ascension, Star Wars Ascension. Yeah. Where they essentially used a a special issue to bring all the stories together. Uh, Bailar Valanza story, Al- Aphra's story, Vader's story, Luke, Han, Leia. Everything b- got brought together in that issue. And I have a feeling they're going to do it even bigger this time around. As you had mentioned, now that they have gone through the growing pains, now that we are done with the sequel trilogy, there's not a lot of secrets anymore Yeah, in terms of the Skywalker saga. I'm sure there's things they're going to do eventually, TV shows, whatnot. But for the most part, the big questions surrounding or pertaining to the sequel trilogy are answered. And now we can, I feel like there's probably a lot of, a little more ease A little freedom. Right now, a little freedom with those writers. And they can have a lot more fun now and not be stressed out that they may step on the toes of of the sequel trilogy. And that's why I'm really excited about this Bounty Hunters run. And honestly, Dave, this is the first Star Wars series I'm actually purchasing physical copies of. I have not done that, Dave. Are you ready? (laughs) Are you ready? Okay. Since the 90s. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> Since the 90s, I have not purchased a physical Star Wars comic book. You've missed out on a lot. <laughs> I've read digital. Oh, yeah. I, I've read the digital, but I have not purchased. I just have not felt the need to purchase. And because you and I have have become such huge Baylart fans because of Target Vader, I told myself, I'm like,
1: guess what? There's going to be two Star Wars titles I'm going to buy. I'm going to buy Dr. Aphra. And I'm going to buy a physical copy of
0: Bounty Hunters. Bounty Hunters. And so far, I'm not disappointed with Bounty Hunters. I mean, this is the third issue. Yeah. It was supposed to come out in April, but because of coronavirus, it was pushed. Uh, Not a lot of people had known dates. I don't even think Marvel and Lucasfilm knew the dates. But it was announced that Marvel Comics would resume its publishing line starting on May 27th. And that included the third issue. And it was going to be lined up for the June 24th release date, which was just two short days ago. And we both ran out like starved nerds. nerds. With big old smiles, because I know I went to my comic book shop and I had a big old smile on my face. Like, oh, oh, I did, too. I'm like, that's number three is right there. Can I touch, it? Can <laughs> I I touch it? it? And the sad thing is, Dave, is I went on Tuesday, which the whole I'm not going to bore people with the new comic book distribution days. But Tuesdays are now D.C. days. Yes. Because of what because of coronavirus changed some things for them and they decided to start doing their own self distribution. And because of that, the comic books now come a day early. So I was at the comic book shop on Tuesday to pick up my Hellblazer and I saw Bounty Hunters number three on the table. I'm like, Ooh, and I was about to grab it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me guess. You
2: got your hand.
0: And yeah. <laughs> the guys all, Hey, you, you can't grab that yet. I'm like, well, it's here, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: here, buddy. What are you going to do?
0: And uh, he's all, well, the, we put them out early for our subscription holders, but um, we're not allowed to sell them individually. Yes. Yet. And, and yeah, I'm, like, that's true. I'm like, well, then why is it on the table, bro? Why are, you, why are you, why blue you, te- why you me, teasing man? me like this? Are you telling me I have to come back tomorrow? I'm like, okay, I'll see you tomorrow, buddy. See you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I didn't want him to like hide him from me when he saw me coming He's Like this guy's the asshole. They got all mad. Let's, <laughs> let's pretend they're sold out. <laughs> oh, so, but do with bounty
2: hunters. Yeah. Surprisingly, it's actually a, a title
0: that sells relatively quickly now it's popular dude it's popular and i'm excited because first off bounty hunters have always been a huge draw for star wars fans it's always been a thing that we've all most i'd say 90 percent of the star wars fans gravitate to the whole bounty hunter thing it's the reason why people love jango fett it's the reason why people loved bobo fett and it's the reason why they made the very first tv series for star wars was sitting around a bounty hunter yeah, there's a reason why if you're not dealing with Jedi's, then the second best thing is the deal with the
1: underworld.
2: Yeah, it's it's basically also when you compare the two, you could make the argument that fans just like the bounty hunters, because in a lot of ways, bounty hunters are a little, a little bit more relatable.
0: Jedi. Are they, Dave? Do you hunt down
2: bad guys for money? Well, dude, I'm just wondering, think of Dave. how hard it is to become a Jedi Knight and a Sith
0: Lord. No, it's easy, Dave. I'm 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 already mad. <laughs> You're so already I'm mad. definitely a Sith Lord. You're
2: a Sith Lord? Yeah. But like with a bounty hunter, really all you gotta do is just know the right people, pick up a couple bounties, be good. Really? That's good all you it? that's
0: all it that's kill all, people. That's all there is to being a bounty hunter. Kill
2: people. You just gotta kill people. Like <laughs>
0: Alright, I'll go with that line of thinking. So, yes, Dave, there's... Uh, you're right. Epis- er, yeah, episode... Bounty Hunters is is has been a good draw for Star Wars fans so oh, yeah. far. And Lucasfilm is probably very happy, as well as Marvel, that it's another title, another ongoing title, which is even better, because we get a lot of miniseries, uh, but for the most part, we have just two ongoing titles. Vader even stops and starts, but... Star Wars, the main title, and Dr. Aphra. We just have two. In the world of Star Wars, Dave, we're talking about this massive Star Wars world, and we have two ongoing titles. Yeah. So the fact that they gave us a third, I am so thankful. And I know I've been very negative towards Star Wars uh, for a lot of good reasons. I'm not going to apologize. But I will say when I appreciate something, and I definitely appreciate that they were willing to give us this ongoing series, because every issue is, is... Fun to read. It's not break. It's not cutting edge breakthrough writing by any means, but it is fun. The artwork is fucking stunning as hell. It is hollow. Vianelli. I don't think I've read much of his work before. Um, wait a second. No dark visions and Generation fallen order are both his stuff. Yep. And we liked his artwork works in those. Titles. Okay. So something I picked up in issue
1: three. And I believe we mentioned this briefly uh, in our previous discussions on Bounty Hunters. The artwork is big. He's willing to take up entire pages and not because he's lazy. Like you,
0: sometimes you get those writers and Ethan Sachs isn't lazy. Yeah. Sometimes you get those writers that you get the idea that they're not confident in their stories. So they have action sequences that take up two or three pages at a time and there's no story. Well, with this, it's the opposite. I feel like the images are telling the story on top of the fact that it's mimicking a very spaghetti Western look. Yes. Spaghetti Westerns are filmed with a very specific lens, and it makes your action look larger than it actually is. Yeah. And that's the representation I see in Bounty Hunters. And I picked up on it in this issue because the characters are big. They're large. Their fists are huge. Their guns take up entire pages. I mean, that's classic Sergio Leone. Oh, yeah. Make that gun look bigger than the entire fucking anamorphic screen. And that's what they're doing with these comic books. They're not afraid to just paint this picture of Valance and he takes up the entire page. We don't really get that a lot. A lot of times you get the more detailed and I'll say a little more nuanced possibly. And I'm 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 reading Hellblazer currently, so I'll just use that as an example. Beautiful artwork, but it's more small scale. Everything's smaller. You have to really look at what you have to really take in all that detail. And sometimes I feel like because I'm old, I'm my, my eyes suck. I have to really bring that page up close. But the imagery in Bounty Hunters is so on par with the classic Westerns. Everything oh, is yeah. big, the action's big, the explosions are big, the characters are big. It's beautiful. I love it.
2: The funny part is, is like for me as a comic book fan, I always see it's a common comic book trope where it's a mark of laziness. When you see an artist just basically do splash page after splash Uh, page. I hate it. I hate it. But here, Vianelli actually like is using it for style. Like
0: exactly. It makes
2: the characters look titanic. Yeah. And that's, that's what, you know, like you were alluding to about like spaghetti Westerns. I used to remember like all those spaghetti Western movie posters that I love. The characters look like Titans. they yeah. they, they stand right. over you. Yeah. There's even, you know, like very blurred shots of like the character, maybe pulling his gun out, doing a punch. And one of my favorite pages in the entire comic is the fight scene between him, uh, Valance and Bosque. Yeah. And suddenly you, so you flip the page and it's this gigantic punch. Of,
0: Watch your pop filter again, oh. Dave. I think it's getting close again. There you go. How's that? I don't uh, know. And it's popping peas. Puzzling. There you
2: go. And it's when Valance throws a punch at Bosk and knocks him out. Yeah. Vianelli uses the entire page to kind of make that capture moment. Yeah. Capture that moment. And it's like this huge moment like that makes Valance look like a Titan just taking down Bosk in one shot.
0: Yeah. I, it's very dude, reminiscent of it, like the spaghetti Westerns of the old. I know there's a page towards the end of issue three
1: where Balance Lance defeats Bosk and he steps on him and it's essentially a. Jesus Christ. I forgot my camera angles. Low angle. Jesus Christ. It's essentially a low angle shot
0: looking up at Valance and you see the because you rem- remember the issue two <laughs> left us on what is it uh, called Galmera the graveyard planet yes and you see the big old tombstones behind him and the flare of, the, 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 flare sun of the sun behind his head dude that's a Clint Eastwood <laughs> shot at it the is. end of the good the bad and the ugly with the tombstones that are in circles around them The the, the classic ecstasy of gold scene So anything using like a flare, a
2: flare in that regard, the flare over the shoulder. Mandalorian did that. When I saw that, I'm like going, that's almost like a shot right from Mandalorian where I believe it's episode two. Yeah. Episode two where they do a pan down and they have a low shot of the Mandalorian and suddenly you have the flare right behind his helmet and the sun's right behind him. Yeah. This is the same shot. But it's like Valance, and you know you have that glint off of uh, off of his shoulder, and it just looks so epic. It makes him look like this unstoppable force.
1: And we have seen
0: Bosk throughout the years, and maybe Not my like memory—that's what I'm about to say. Like yeah. Maybe my memory isn't as great as it should be, but I don't think. Boss has ever been captured this epic. No. The guy pulls a fucking samurai sword from behind his back as he's jumping, dude. The action is so great; it's such a awesome meshing of the western genre and the classic samurai genre. You have a cowboy and a samurai fighting each other, essentially, in <laughs> in, in various scenes. Well, the, the dude, my favorite transition he did
2: was Boss pulls out. The sword, and then says, "I should have killed you all those years ago." And they cut to a flashback, <laughs> yeah. and it's like it is a western. It's yeah, like dude. it's like once upon a time in the whole west. Yeah,
0: it's it's good stuff, man. It's and, good stuff. And even going with the samurai aspect for a second, I'm not saying that's exactly what they were doing, but they were definitely trying to bring a little bit of a spiritual edge to it because there was something that that they were delving into that I didn't pick up until this issue. And they're jumping into Bosk's, uh culture a bit or his his spirituality. Because I wasn't sure what he was talking about. He kept talking about the goddess. And I don't think I've ever heard that before. The great goddess. The great goddess. Yeah. I do not believe I've ever heard that term before. And apparently, that's a callback to the trandocean mythology. Their cultural beliefs that there is a scorekeeper that is known as The goddess. Yeah, the scorekeeper. That's why he says the scorekeeper wills. Right. So, according to the Star Wars wiki here, the scorekeeper was the goddess of the Trandoshans. According to Trandoshan beliefs, she existed beyond time and space. She watched
1: Trandoshan hunters and awarded them Jagnath points.
0: For each kill, the more prestigious or rare the target killed, the higher its value in points would be. The condition of the Pell did not matter to her. Wookiees were prized as a particularly high point value target. Yep. I mean, there's a there's a little bit of a meshing of cultures there. You can say some of it's based on the spirituality of maybe Buddhism. Uh, that's similar to samurai beliefs, but then also there's a little bit of that. Uh, is it barbarian tribes, Germanic tribes, like the Vikings? So I really like what they did with that because it's a very easy way to flesh out Bosk very quickly. Very quickly, just in a couple sentences, you have him talking about the goddess and talking about the scorekeeper and. That's all you need sometimes to give a little more weight to the story. A little bit more meat to that character, too. Yeah, because you're dealing essentially with a superficial story. Mm-hmm. And this isn't, you know, as I said, a cutting edge narrative. No, although it may and it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be, although it might turn a little more complicated as the issues go by, because there are some there are some elements here that could really turn into something big. Uh, but for the most part, so far, it's relatively superficial. It's easy to read uh, because it's more of an action piece. But in this issue, you start to really see things differently, and that's why I'm saying perhaps it will become a little more substance-filled because we got a lot just not on not just on Boss, but even on um, Valance. Valance. You had mentioned that you had that flashback sequence, and that flashback sequence wasn't just a moment that was used to pass time because Ethan Sachs couldn't write a linear story. It was used to kind of flesh out Valance a bit. And you find out that Valance obviously has, I want to, uh, I guess we can assume some type of love interest that we don't know about.
2: Yeah. From, I believe it's his, uh, times when he, when he was on his
0: planet, when he was on his planet. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that because you're dealing with a guy that's essentially filled with a lot of self hate. Yes. It's, His entire character design is very metaphorical for his self-hatred. And the reason why he hates droids so much is probably because he is pretty much 99% a droid.
2: Oh, yeah, dude. One of my favorite moments in this comic that just I was surprised they went there was the final page where they
0: break down. Why are you surprised they went there? Because I was like going, I
2: didn't think that they would. They were hinting at the fact that Valance was like the old Valance. Right. You know, like what we said, the dark element where he's 99% machine, but he hates himself because he's he yeah. hates machines. He's right. prejudiced yeah. against all machines. And Ethan Saxon, basically the people of the bounty hunters just double down and say, you know, that stuff that basically was back in the 80s. We're bringing that in. We're going to actually make sure to stay true to this character. Right. And I was like,
0: thank you. Because like. That's uh, what makes him interesting. That's what makes him interesting. And that's what makes him complicated, Dave. And if they didn't go that route, make him essentially 99% machine, I don't feel like it would have worked as well. Because his self-hatred is what drives him in many ways. Well, dude, it made him so complex,
2: especially at the moment when. He makes the comment that I have written down here about his uh, the the, the droid helper that was helping him. He makes the (laughs) comment that I hated that stupid droid, but he was my droid. Yeah. No, my stupid droid. My (laughs) stupid droid. And I was like going, the way he looks at things, it's very strange. It's hypocritical in a lot of ways. You could say it's hypocritical, but that's what makes him so complex. He's conflicted. He's conflicted. And then when you get to that final page where they say, yeah, this uh, this whole time, Valance is 99% machine. I'll be honest, ever since we started, ever since they reintroduced this character, I honestly didn't think he was that far gone to 99% of him as machine. I thought that basically they were going to blend it and say, oh, he's the happy medium, you know, part machine, part man, right? And I thought it was like 50 50. Like half of his face was gone, and basically maybe his arm. But when why? You get why to did the, you
1: think
0: that? Basically from the past series. But why did you think that? Like, why did you did you not think Disney would do that, didn't or Marvel? Think, I do not think
2: Marvel would do that. It's a dark thing to do for a character.
0: It is, but it's also especially
2: when you're dealing with making a hero.
0: Yeah, and yeah, but they and they needed to. If they they, needed if they to. didn't do this. I feel like it would have robbed. The character of of his teeth because this is why he's complicated this is why he's interested or interesting uh the the element in this script that makes valance more complex is that moment where in the flashback we see that he was trying to call someone obviously yes. she's his love interest someone that he was in love with and bosk in this flashback makes fun of him saying that You really think she's going to like you when she finds out you're, you know, 99% machine. Yeah. But you think that because you have a nice face now, she's going to forget.
2: Was that sent flesh? Oh, my God. When he said that, I'm like, that's brutal. (laughs) That is freaking brutal.
0: And all of it's designed to feed into Valance's insecurities. And that's why this issue might be the best of the three so far. Because we're getting into territory That I really didn't think we would get into because Valance so far to date, yes, is an amazing character. He's awesome. He's fun. But that's pretty much it. He's fun to watch. But now in this issue, you are starting to see that perhaps Ethan Sachs is going to go a little deeper. Yes, we're still going to have the fun. And you can still do fun. The narrative itself can still be light and fun. But you could... Let me rephrase that. You can still have a narrative that's relatively light and focuses more on the fun aspects. A lot of action, a lot of explosions, if you will. But that doesn't mean your characters need to be light. And if they sprinkle some substance just here and there. Character drama. Right. Like they did in this issue here then we have the makings of a really, really good ongoing series. And honestly, Dave, if they didn't do that, would this be a series that people wanted to read all the time? Target Vader, for example, was... It was fun. It was fun. But with that type of... I don't want to say it's overly superficial because it wasn't. It delved into his past and the reason why he hated the Empire. And it was smart... But at the same time, it focused more on the fun aspects. It was fun and safe. Right. And if you expect people to go to the comic book shop week or month after month and purchase an issue, you need to give them a reason why. Mm -hmm. And this issue, I feel, is the first issue to give us that reason. Like, this is not just a fun read. There's also a bit of substance when it comes to Valance, which we already know he is the main lead of this series.
2: Yeah. And also like, just like you, you uh, alluded to earlier, I honestly think in this third issue, we got to see more of the style that we were expecting for the series. Yeah. And like you have those like really great introspective moments of those characters. And like, the 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 scene with valance remembering uh i think it's yurla vega and yeah. that's that's a, we believe is his love interest right. they could have easily just made that really simple really quick but it has this really nice dramatic beat to it that i wasn't expecting in this type of story yeah and but it mixed well with the with the uh with the style Because it reminded me of like the moments you get in say like uh, for a few dollars more in spaghetti Westerns like that, where you have the, the uh, scene of the pocket watch pocket watch. And you see the picture of the girl and you have this really brief moment. You hear the bell chimes and suddenly it's a quick flashback like that. And it's done like, and that's this particular scene in bounty hunters Fits so perfectly in this style, the way it's done that I have to agree with you. I honestly think that I was, I was kind of like going, "Eh, is it the best issue we've gotten so far? Issue one was fantastic because they, the way that they treated Boba Fett in the the first issue was perfect. And then the, the way last time we left off Bosk was actually really nicely characterized, but here it's taken to a new level. And then on top of that, in this issue, you have everything that's going on with Boss that's fantastic. And then you have Valance.
0: Yeah. If they're not careful, they're going to end up making a lot of us hate Boba Fett even more. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I, because, I, I mean, we're already, Dave, like a lot of us, a lot of most Star Wars fans who are not just Boba Fett fanboys already feel like he's heavily overrated overrated yes I mean he's a character that it just never did anything significant in Star Wars and yet everyone loves him, and they gravitate to him for reasons that I don't understand he looks cool and that's pretty much it and so far three issues in I feel like Boba Fett has been a non- is the least interesting character yeah and if they keep going down this path with Baylard he's going to become everyone's First, if not second favorite bounty hunter in Star Wars.
2: I want to be honest, I hope so. Because Baylard has always been, ever since his reintroduction to Target Vader, he's become my second favorite character in all the comics of Star Wars. I mean, Afra's number one by far.
0: Because in the comics, in, yeah. the, in the comics. Yeah, I would oh, yes, I would agree so but far.
2: Number two for me is Baylor Valance. Oh, I would agree with that too. The way that they've treated the character and they brought this 1980s flair with him that kind of pays homage to that time frame where he was made, uh, when, when he was made and they found the perfect niche for him to, to, to tell stories about him, which was the bounty hunters. Yeah. I'm, I've always, you know, been that fan that poo-poo's Boba Fett because I think Django fits so much better, yeah. <laughs> but, but like, you're right. This series could easily make Boba Fett obsolete, because like originally when we came into this, I originally thought that basically, oh, it's going to be an equal share of badassery between yeah, Bosk Valance and Boba Fett. Yeah, it's been
0: all Bosk and Baylart at this point. Yeah. Well, the all the press junkets pertaining to this title said that Baylart. Was the lead. That all the other characters would come and go. So for example Boba Fett and Boss. Aren't going to be here all the time. They're going to cycle through different. Sto- uh, different bounty hunters depending on that, that story. This story just happens to focus on. Boba Fett and Boss. And Baylard. But eventually it's just going to be Baylard. He's going to be the ongoing thread. Which I, I'm okay with that. Because we've, we've seen Boss throughout the years. I, I don't mind him. I'm sure he's going to come. I'm sure he's going to pop in. And out throughout the run, it would only yeah. make sense. You're dealing with the bounty hunter world, and same thing with Boba Fett.
2: And honestly, the way that they've been doing the characters like Bosk is actually pretty genius. They're adding more substance to those characters. That let's face it, before this, I mean, you said it yourself. We didn't really know who Bosk was.
0: Not really. We I don't.
2: Mean, we we would never really got a gauge of his personality, but in this one issue, we've gotten more about his personality through simple dialogue, through simple like one-liners of his.
0: Yeah, and I know they they did delve into Boss quite a bit in the uh, now retconned EU EU, but it was so f- long ago and so convoluted, and has changed so many times and. I mean, you're dealing with a character that was only seen in a few seconds in Empire Strikes Strikes Back. Back. So they have done so many different things with him. So the fact that we're getting a lot more on him in this new era, again, looking at canon, canon wise, we don't know a lot about him. We don't know a lot about this version, the actual canon version of Bosk. So I'm digging it. I love it. I cannot wait to read issue four. This is one of those series that I am looking forward to every single month. I am too. Now, briefly, Dave, they have a page, and I'll take a photo and post it on um, within our discussion on our webpage. Uh, I will post an image of what we're about to talk about within the podcast description once the show goes on demand. Uh, But it's Valance, and it shows basically a graph of... (laughs) How he or what he's made
1: up what he's made up
0: of It's very on par with those source books, the art of Star Wars books that are produced and published when a new movie comes out and it delves into what, you know, Vader's helmet does. What does Vader's belt do? And they did that with Valance and they really broke down everything robotic about him. Synth flesh skeleton torso Uh, his arm it's a hollow forearm arm two they call it hollow forearm houses space for future weapon upgrades such as a viral blade grappling hook or concussion disc launcher (laughs) then they have the shin bone blade where a blade is just in his shin that he can pull out legs and feet piston powered robotic Limb can generate push to leap at greatly enhanced strength. Uh, magnetic pods and feet. Nutrition supply on his belt. Organs. I'm not going to get into all of it. Med pack. Arm hand. Palm, bl- palm blaster, a.k.a. hand cannon. I love it because that's a spietty Western term. Yes. His skull. Human brain. Om- augmented with cybernetic ports connecting to electrostatic wiring. Cybernetic eye. So the list goes on and on and there is a lot of detail. And it
2: really as I said it, it it's one of the moments in this comic when you get to the very end for me was so surprising because they went all out on Valance. He all is in. or he went all they went all in. Yeah. Basically making him 99% machine. He's a, he's essentially General Grievous. If you think about it, if you look at his skeleton. Yeah, I guess he's so. General Grievous at this point. And the the cool thing I thought about is like where Grievous would be happy with this. Well, Grievous voluntarily Grievous voluntarily does this to himself. Yeah. Valance on the other hand, it's more tragic. Yeah. It's probably partly his choice, but he also hates himself because of
0: it. Dude. I'm hoping they use this story to delve into like his human psyche and what it means to be human. What it means to be human, dude. It, there is so much they can do. There's so
2: this. much they could do, and it. Le- I would love for it to do it, but it be it would arguably, arguably be a first in Star Wars.
1: Yeah, you I could know.
2: do you could do a character, a Star Wars story centered around what it means to be human, and you always, I always thought they would do it with characters like. In the past with uh with General Grievous or a character like we just discussed uh not uh not too long ago in dirge in in those those two particular characters the argument of organic versus machine <laughs> having a machine body or a suit of armor just being yourself there's so much they can do with the story, and I'm hoping they do. Yeah, but as I said, I'm very, I'm very hesitant when it comes to Marvel comics going down that
0: route. I, I understand. I get it. But if they can find a a good medium, like then that should be fine. If they, because I agree, this should maintain its escapism feel like let's keep this fun. But I still want some fun with a little bit of substance. And if they continue to do it like they have been, then I think that's just fine.
2: And do you realize that his, his skeleton, the thing that m- m- had me really interested, his skeleton is hardened Durasteel that's been carbonized ba- and carbonized battle droid tech. That's awesome. Or cannibalized. Sorry, not carbonized. Cannibalized battle droid tech. So he's taken other droids and put, in, put them in his body. That's messed up. The very
0: thing <laughs> he hates.
2: The very thing he hates.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. That is awesome. All right, Dave. Well, this does bring us to the end of our discussion. Give me your final thoughts.
2: Final thoughts. I am not going to go out there and say, oh, it's 100. No. Oh, I won't do that. I will say, however, this is a very good issue from Bounty Hunters to the point that it's a 92. Really? It's really good for me. I love the styles. I love everything. There's so many moments here, dude, that basically... This is the type of storytelling we want. You know, like we just touched on just a few of them from the flashbacks flashback scene to the uh graveyard scene where he de- finally defeats uh Bosk, but even so the other scenes of like the bounty hunters uh uh dealing w- with each other. I can't remember the character's name that in the very end you find out uh Oris Biner is the one who has has the bounty has has his droid's head and he's the one who finds uh, lash and you find out that basically that lash has been protecting her i guess you she calls him calls her auntie so it's her nephew or niece and Oris is the is the bounty hunter
0: out of all the gang to finally find uh, lash okay and so what's your grade then 92 92 92%. 92% all right i'm going to follow you up with a 91% this is a really good issue. As the story is progressing, you
1: realize that there's a lot more going on. It's actually pretty dynamic in terms of, of moving parts. There's actually quite a bit of moving
0: parts involved. And the fact that this is a relatively simple story and you can
1: maintain its simplicity and yet still give it... A multifaceted feel. That's clever writing. That's good writing. So, Ethan Sachs is doing a great
0: job, 91%. Yeah. Uh, and that takes us to the end, Dave. I want to thank everyone for listening. We will be back next month as well with another discussion on Bounty Hunters number four. God, I can't wait. <laughs> thank you, David. Thank
2: you. May the force be with us. Oh,
1: yes. <laughs>